0: Good morning everybody. Morning. What a wonderful morning the Lord gave us today. What a wonderful weather. Uh, you know, we should maybe do church one time outside. Uh, it's, maybe it's going to be fun. Uh, and uh, you know, thanks. Uh, happy 4th of July. I have to make 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 sure that it was uh, Independence Day, because sometimes I'm kind of lost, but happy Independence Day to all of you. Have fun. Enjoy and remember the Lord who gave us this freedom and remember all the families that pay a high price for it. Um, as you know, I'm not American, but I, con- I, could be, I consider myself be blessed or be privileged to be here in, in your country. Thank you for welcoming your, you know, your arms and the, the church to us. Uh, let's pray and put this time in the Lord's hands. Dear Lord, thank you very much for the opportunity that you give us to come to this temple this morning to worship you and learn about you and see each other and have fellowship and, and feel your love and, and uh, yeah, see what you have for us. Uh, thank you Lord because we are here because we know you are alive. Thank you Lord because we know you died for us and we have a future in heaven. Uh, I ask you, Lord, specifically for Pastor Leonard's family, for all the difficult circumstances that his family is going through, and I ask you, Lord, that you uh, will be with them in the special way that you only can be. Uh, I ask you, Lord, for this message, for uh, these words of wisdom, Uh, I ask you, Lord, that it will be you talking through me, the language will not be an issue. Uh, the language of love and language of compassion, language of your Holy Spirit touching hearts doesn't need, doesn't need words. And I ask you, Lord, that you will be touching hearts this morning and it will be you helping us to focus on your will and what has to be done for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Pastor, is has been preaching about the Ten Commandments and and. It's, uh, and uh, he He asked me, and I asked him if I can preach for him to give him a little break and and recharge his batteries and uh, just spend some time with his family and um, He asked me to preach or i I have uh, two two commands, and ba- I was thinking when I was studying to study for my for my sermon, what should I say about this they 're so Explicative by themselves, you know, they they explain themselves, what what else can be said, what else can be done, what else can be explained, you know, because it's basically Exodus uh, chapter 20, verse 13 and 14, you should not murder or kill, you should not kill, kill is easier to say for me, Uh, you should not kill, and 14, you should not commit adultery, I think maybe we can, we can just close our Bibles and go home because, you know, it's, it's basically a specific command saying don't do it. What else has to be explained? You know, it's like trying to explain something to a little kid and the little kid keeps asking and asking and asking and it's sometimes you just said because I said so. You know, because there's no more explanation to it. You know, they want to understand everything even when it doesn't make sense. But basically pastor or or the sermons that pastor have been trying to deliver this in this season is because these two behaviors uh, are right at the top of the list as as very destructive behaviors. As behaviors that if you are in it or close to it uh, or you see somebody going through it, they have really, really bad consequences not for the person itself but only but for the family too for the community too for the church too everybody hurts when something like this happens when somebody you know when somebody's life is cut you know too early i was you know that it is not kill it's not murder but i was uh, uh, i have the privilege to be the pastor to officiate the, the funeral a couple of weeks ago for a Three, more, three months baby. And it's not much that you can say to try to you know, comfort this family. Um, because we feel, you know, what in our human eyes we could say, what a waste. You have all, their li- all her life in front of her. And all the pain and all the consequences. But in the same way, adultery, if, if that happens, maybe not to you. Maybe you suffer, ah, it's too late. I already make it. I'm I'm celebrating my 50-year anniversary. That's not up to me. But let me tell you, maybe it's not up to you today, but maybe your neighbor is going through it. Maybe somebody at the church is going through it. Maybe somebody is at the edge, at the border of maybe... Take this, taking the step, and maybe you know about that. Maybe you see some signs, and what I'm, what I'm going to try to show you this morning is a little bit about what the Lord says about it, that, you know, as I said, it doesn't need too much explanation, because he said, don't do it. Yes. But I'm going to try to show you too, a little bit about the consequences, if, this, if these behaviors are present in your life, or in your family, or in your community, in your job. So we we consider that what Pastor is trying to pass to us as a congregation, that healthy communities prosper. The communities prosper. The churches prosper. When we do the opposite. And basically, this is because this means that we will be obeying the Lord. If you go and do that, you're disobeying the Lord. And you have consequences for it. Basically, murder or killing some or kill it means put to death another human being. That doesn't mean that you know that you know that you're killing an animal. The Lord gave us the, the power or the authority, you know. For you know, and I don't want to sound disrespectful for those of you to decide to be vegetarian. That's that's okay too. And when I fast, I, I become vegetarian for thirty days. And then I go to McDonald's and get a hamburger, Uh, because it's closer. Uh, But uh, basically, murder, as you know, as I said, doesn't need too much explanation. It's putting to death another human being. It's people that doesn't have any respect for, for human life, doesn't have respect for somebody else. And sadly, I was, during the preparation of my sermon, I saw a special note about how many kids are committing are killing their own families, seven, eight, nine and ten year old boys and girls that are killing their families in that early age. And it, it takes touch my heart because my heart is very close to the kids as you may be noticed. I have like 50 kids with me the whole time. Uh, so the hearts of the kids are so ready for, for, to receive the gospel, to receive the news of salvation. I taught the kids this past week to the second BBS. We went to Old North Church in Canfield. Uh, I'm going to take the kids to three BBSs. Uh, And and they gave me the wonderful news the last day that three of my kids put their faith in Jesus Christ. And I said, everything is paid because we have to wake up at 7.30, and the kids have to wake up at 7.30, and that's tough for the kids during the summer. But when, when they told me that, I said, everything is paid, Lord. All the extra effort, all the extra gas, all the extra whatever we have to do to, to take those kids. But they told me that three of my kids put their faith in Jesus Christ. And I know I will see them in heaven. That's one of my dreams. And one day I'm going to be in heaven and I will have a lot of adults coming to me and say, Oh, you were the pastor that took me to church one day. And I, you know, for the, for the glory of my Lord. In the New Testament, uh, more adultery means way of view. Others, how we see others, because Jesus stuck it one step ahead, and Jesus said, like like Matthew five, twenty seven and twenty eight. You you should know about it. <clears throat> Matthew five twenty seven and twenty eight. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who who looks at a woman, it, lustfully, I don't know how to say that word, has already committed adultery in. His heart. See, Jesus talked it one step ahead and said, you're not only committing adultery if you, if you go to the act by itself, but if you're committing adultery in your heart, just to look in something that you're not supposed to look. In the Old Testament, it was such a, such a horrible thing to do that if you remember in the Leviticus, it asked that the penalty for adultery was being stoned, go to death. They were allowed to stone people. That's why, if you remember, they bring a lady, a woman, in front of Jesus, and we're going to talk about her at the end. In front of, his, in front of him, I say, Lord, we catch this lady in the act of adultery. And they, they have rocks in their hands, because they were ready to fulfill the law. But good news, Jesus forgive her. Uh, so in the Old Testament, it was a horrible thing to do. And it was a metaphor, it was a comparison of the relationship with God. Because basically, when you go into adultery, you just uh, break the trust. Both behaviors goes goes against God's design. Both behaviors are disobedience and are considered a sin break the trust of someone who loves you unconditionally. If you're going to adultery, you break the trust of your husband or your wife. But if you're going to adultery in your heart against the Lord, you're breaking the trust of God. Thanks the Lord, He never give up on us. But we basically say, oh no, Lord, I know you love me, but I think I have a better idea how to live my life. I know you have a design, you have a perfect design, but I think I have a better idea how to take care of myself. That's basically a little bit about the consequences. It's basically disobeying the Lord. And we will always have consequences if we do that. That's what Proverbs 6.27-29 to said, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk in hot coals without burning his feet? So if he who sleeps with another man's wife, no one who touches her will will go unpunished. In Spanish we have a say that I tried to put it in English, but it basically means, Eyes that don't see, heart will not feel. Basically means, well, I can make it, I can maybe do it. If she never figured it out, she, nothing will happen. Because she will not suffer, nothing will happen. But the Lord is telling us, that's foolish. Because always, always something will happen. When you, go, when you go against the Lord's design, always something will happen. But where all this start? How the Lord see those kind of things? And the Lord says very clear in the Bible that oh, everything starts in the heart. How can that apply to us today? Everything starts in the heart. Because everybody else, let's say, uh, the community or, or everybody else who doesn't know, the Lord thinks this is very normal. I, I was looking for some pictures on, and on, um, on Giggle uh, for my sermon. That's what I found, that one that you're looking at. And, I, and they were selling teachers. I love adultery. And for them, it's so normal. You know, marriage and, and adultery or you know, living with somebody without getting married is so normal. That's the way it goes now. You have to try first and see if it works. And, and if it works, we, we, we will make it happen. It's so normal. Ah, only, only Christians have to follow those things. No, that's not my style. But believe me, it's always consequences because, again, it's outside of the Lord's design. The the Lord makes a design because first He's perfect and His design is perfect and He wants the best things for us. So if He put it that way, it's because it's the best way. He's been here thousands and thousands of years. He's, he's the alpha and the omega. He has more than enough time to think about the design, and he designed that design for us because he loves us, he cares about us. But the Lord said that everything comes out of your heart. Everything comes out of your heart, and that's what it says in Matthew six. I'm sorry, Matthew 15, 16 to 19 it says, "Are you still so?" Do Jesus asked them, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then go out of the body? But the things that come out of the person's mouth comes from the heart, and these define them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, and false testimony. Those things start happening in the heart first. When you basically go into the act, you know what they said is because you've been working on it for a long time in your heart. So how how can we take care of our heart? And as I said, maybe you're thinking, "Ah, oh, I already make it. Uh, this is not up to me. This is not up to me." But how can we we can still today take care of our heart or show the younger generations how to take care of their hearts because they really don't care. They don't care, they don't see the main difference that when you pay a price to be different for the Lord, the Lord will be with you. The Lord will take you to better places. The Lord will have a better plan for you. How can we take care of our heart? Something very important is to clean your heart. You know, we spend how many hours a week cleaning the house? I have to be honest, since Shirley came, I don't clean the house too much, but I don't, I don't get the, the, the house dirty too much, you know, I'm always careful. But how much, how much time a week we spend cleaning our house? How much time a week we spend cleaning our car? Some cars, you don't see the seats anymore, so you have to, like, squeeze it. <laughs> or something, but some of you, you know, how much time during the summer you spend cleaning your motorcycle? Putting wax in your motorcycle. Making your car ready for, you know, for, uh, for the activity that they did not long ago. You know, we used really fancy and shiny cars. You know, you, we spent hours and hours cleaning our houses, cleaning our cars, cleaning our motorcycles, cleaning our boats. Whatever you love, you you, you care about it. Don't, don't slap the door, you know, just be careful, you know. You have to be really careful, you, you know but how much time in our daily lives we spend cleaning our heart we cannot forget about it and one of the ways you can start cleaning your heart even today is be careful what you see that's what Matthew 6.22 says the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are unhealthy your whole body will be full of darkness. If then a light would if, would if in your darkness, how great is your da- that darkness? Basically, watch what you see. Watch what you see. And that's a habit. That's something that is not easy to do, but it's a habit. You have to make it a habit for you. And I'm not saying that it's not only, you know, seeing ladies, No. It's maybe for you it's something else. But you have watched what you see. I make the habit myself, and maybe you notice it, maybe you don't. Uh, But sometimes I'm just looking to the floor. If I go to a place that is a bunch of beautiful ladies, I just rather look to the floor than keep looking around. (laughs) Because I want to keep my heart clean. See, sometimes when I'm shaking somebody's hand, I'm so used to that I don't notice it. So I have to remind myself, look up. Because I'm so used to always look down that I have to, you know, look up. Good morning. <laughs> but it's because I decide a long time ago, you know, to always watch my eye. You know, with TV, it's so hard. Every commercial has something talking about, you know, something that maybe is not appropriate. So the shows that I want to watch, I record it in the DVR and I skip the commercials. That way I choose what I want to see, what I don't want to see. And if it's a show that I know is not, is not is saying things about the Lord, I just delete it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to get my, my heart dirty. What a waste. God gave me the money to pay for cable. I have to, you know, t- use it in a good way. Be careful what we see. We don't maybe think too much about it, because it's so normal what we see every day. Control your body. Ah, that's 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5. 4 Thessalonians 4, 3-5 says, it is, it is God's will that you should be sacrificed, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. And this is, you know, we're talking about adultery here, but, you know, we work so hard. But, you know, and I'm not a good example for this one because we work so hard to how to take care of our bodies, you know, weight watchers. You know, we have to count the calories. And and we have those watches that tell us what, you know, how many calories we eat and how many states we did and how many times we went up and down. So we're watching our body, we spend a lot of time watching our diet, we spend our, you know, we spend money, and it's not, it's, I'm not saying that it's bad, I'm just trying to do a compar- comparison between the two of them, for, for you or for us to remind ourselves how much time we spend in our body, you know, how much money we spend in vitamins, how much money we spend in things that it will be good for us, better in how, how much time, how much money do you spend buying things that will make your heart stronger in the Lord? How much money are you spending in a good study Bible? How much money are you spending in a good book? How much money are you spending maybe going in missions? Oh, I cannot go in missions because it's too expensive. Money is there when the Lord invites you to do something, let me tell you, he pays the bill money is not never an issue money will, will come from anywhere and I see that in my life many many times but we have to in the same way and, and you know we work really hard to control our bodies from eating this and eating that and, you know different things we have to work really hard to control our bodies for the Lord you know we have, when, when we see something that we should not see Change the channel. When we're going to a restaurant that is not doing, you know, or we're going to a place that are not really good, uh, excuse me, you know, I make a mistake. Uh, uh, you know, go out and find another restaurant. That, that they will be good for you, good for your body. It's the same way, as I said, that we do diets. It's, it's, it's just a, uh, a matter of... Be, creating good habits so i am asking you to think what you, what is the and, and you don't have to answer it, of course but think in your mind think in yourself examine yourself this morning or, you know i examined myself many many times yesterday when i was trying to put the message together what is the thing that you think is not is contaminating your heart what is the thing that is maybe Taking you away from the Lord. Maybe something small. Maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's a person that always speaks bad words and always speak bad jokes or dirty jokes. Maybe somebody at work. Maybe it's a show that doesn't really glorify the Lord in the TV, but you really like it. Think about it and see. Put it in perspective and see. Is that so important that will take me away from my Lord? And I am I, against using videos in, in, when, I, when I do my sermons, but I found a good video of a, of a pastor and, and wife. Uh, it's a pastor and uh, pa- husband and wife, but both, uh, both of them are pastors. Maybe you know them. I really don't know them. I just check online that there were, you know, good enough people to show a video about them. But I don't have a clue who they are. They have a ministry now to recover and try to help uh, to recover. Uh, families and and, and marriages. But uh, uh, Brian, can you please use the video?
1: marriage that people would look at and go, okay, I want I want a marriage like that when I grow up.
2: We loved doing life together. We loved our children. We loved everything
3: that we did.
1: We were leaders of the church. We were leaders in our whole city.
3: Bob and Audrey Meisner met in Bible college. We'd talk about everything all the time,
2: just sharing our lives and dreams and hopes together. I was uh, Completely
3: enthralled by her.
1: I felt so safe with Bob because he loved God. I felt like I could be with him forever.
3: They married, started a family, and dove into ministry work. They had big dreams for the future. With our desire to be world changers, what you got to do is work.
1: We were pastoring a church and also working for my mom and dad and their TV ministry.
3: I had
2: no idea how hard it would be.
3: A few months into the marriage, Audrey realized that Bob's communication style was completely different.
1: So he could easily confront me if something was wrong, so what I made a vow in my heart was, I am going to do everything possible so that he will never yell at me again. And I became the ultimate performer, and the ultimate pleaser.
3: By now, the Meisners were hosting their own television program, and the hard work of ministry took a toll on Audrey, who was afraid to speak up.
1: The busyness got so tiring and so exhausting, and so I remember stuffing down those feelings, because I knew Bob loved the church and so I could never tell him how I really felt.
3: This continued for years and then a family friend from church began spending more time with the Meisner's. He was extremely energetic and playful
2: and liked to be with our kids.
1: He was fun, he was young, he reminded me of being a kid again.
2: He didn't have a family. It was very natural, you know, at, at the beginning and
3: we'd invite him, you know, to be in holidays with us and so forth. But this new family friend began giving more attention to Audrey.
1: He would overly flirt with me. You're so beautiful. I want to find someone in this world that could even be as half as amazing as you. Something in my heart gravitated towards that, and I thought, that's what I need.
3: Over time, their relationship grew closer.
1: I knew something had changed in my heart when, when I knew he was coming over, and I wanted to look really good when he got there. And I felt like I was in control. I felt that I could have a relationship with a a young guy in the church and just help him out.
2: And I had no reason, you know, to doubt her love for me. I mean, we were still, you know, extremely intimate with each other, loving
3: with each other. So, I thought everything was fine. But Audrey's desire for the other man grew stronger.
1: You know, our shoulders would bump or his hands would touch mine, and I'd start to notice my reaction to that was like, oh, you know, that felt good, you know, that he touched me. I really told myself I can have it all this relationship won't really affect the rest of my life and I began to notice myself lying so that I could be alone with him I just dove in and said you know what I've found this far anyway I'm just gonna do this and that's when it became sexual our relationship became sexual
3: the affair continued for three weeks
1: I just lied to the people I love the most in order to get away with this guy and be inappropriate sexually and have an affair this is not me
3: Audrey realized she couldn't continue living the double life and ended the affair. Now she had to tell her husband of 17 years what she had done.
1: I was scared out of my mind. I was shaking. If it came down to a choice of who I would choose, there was never a question in my mind. I wanted my husband and my kids. I haven't confronted him for 17 years of little things. And now I'm going to tell him the most betraying message I could ever imagine. I sat very close to him and whispered and and said I've done something extremely inappropriate I saw just extreme rage and hatred coming out of his eyes
2: this wasn't just a little mistake this wasn't just a little oops or a hiccup and I wanted to you know punch holes in walls slam doors you know express some anger or rage
1: I felt so much shame for what I did and so much deep regret
2: All I wanted to do was get her fixed. She's the problem. She had the affair. Every happy memory of 17 years of marriage was gone. My head was screaming with words.
3: She doesn't love you. She's never loved you. Your marriage has been a farce. Bob called a marriage counselor who had been a guest on their television program. The couple flew to Phoenix the next day to meet with him. Well, he starts with me. Begins
2: to rip me up one side and down the other. And he said this to me: "He says, Bob, you're spiritually lazy. I got, you know, Daily Christian Television. I'm pastoring a church. I'm a father." I'm a a counselor. I mean, I've got all these activities going on, and you call me spiritually lazy.
1: And he says, Audrey, anyone who does what you just did does not respect your husband. I want you to get alone with God and ask him the moment you started disrespecting him.
2: And he says, Bob, what's done is done. What I need to know is whether or not you will become the man of God that you need to be to keep your family together before you go to bed. You will get down on your knees and you will pray with each other. I can't remember the last time we had prayed with each other. The only words that we could get out were, God, we need you. And we cried and we cried.
1: Every part of our relationship had to come to a new level of transparency. All of a sudden, there was no room for any secrets.
3: But one big secret was yet to be revealed. A few months later, they received news from the doctor. Audrey was pregnant. I had had a visa. So I knew, you know, that it wasn't me. He must
2: have seen the fear all over our faces because he immediately followed that statement with the question, do you want to continue the pregnancy? And I immediately answered yes, without a doubt.
1: I was scared out of my mind. And yet, that was the first moment I felt strength from Bob.
2: Before, everything inside of me wanted to punish her. Now I recognize that she's carrying a baby and that she needed my help. This baby's going to need parents.
3: I want to be that dad. Bob and Audrey resigned from their positions, moved to Phoenix and told their children what was going on. We knew that it was a biracial situation and that our children needed to know.
2: I
1: was so scared that my kids would be messed up because I'm one of those moms that I love my kids more than life itself.
2: They walked in seeing a mom and dad sitting on the floor crying. I spoke to them how I loved their mom and that we're a family and that we belong together and that I'm not going anywhere. And with her held in my
3: arms and covered, I looked at them and I said, you're going to have a baby brother. Five months later, Bob and Audrey rushed to the delivery room. It was one of the most beautiful days of my life.
2: This little boy was nothing but a gift, an absolute gift. When our son was born, I gave him my name, Robert. Middle name, Theodore, and then Meissner. Because I don't want my son to ever question one
3: day in his life
2: whose boy he is. Theodore means
3: divine gift. Ten years later. Bob and Audrey's marriage is stronger than ever.
1: Our relationship became dynamic like it had never been before because now I'm being honest and he's being honest.
3: There needed to be a
2: transparency and a vulnerability to be willing to be known by the other person. And so this was new territory for us.
1: If we can get through the fears that keep you from communicating and the fears that keep you, you know, in this in this dysfunctional dance and really start having a relationship with no secrets, there's nothing more fun than that. Our little Robert is our nutcake. He's so much fun, so full of personality, never a dull moment. And those three older kids love him with every part of their being. If you see them all together, there's so much laughter. Mm-hmm.
2: For the extent that I have experienced his love and his grace. I'm the most thankful person you'll ever
1: meet. I don't get what I deserve because of what he did. He paid this high price to really take my sin and to really take my shame. And because he lives inside of me, I don't get what I deserve. I get what he deserves. That's amazing love.
0: Thank you, Ryan. What a... Challenging story, but I choose the story because I always like to preach with the Bible. But I like to bring in, uh, real stories for for us to identify. And but something that came to my mind and something that I want to put in your in your in your hearts today is that it can happen to everybody, anybody, nobody. It's could say, oh, that will you know, I, I, That will not happen to me. That happened to a a pastor family. But that reminds me about something else, too. You know, how we should keep praying for our pastors. How we should keep praying for our church. You know, for Pastor Leonard, for Pastor Tom, for Brian, for, you know, and his future wife, and for, for myself. How we should pray for each other. Because basically what you see in that story is how powerful is the blood of Christ, how powerful is forgiveness, how powerful is the Lord, you know, going through the, the lives and picking up the little pieces. And I'm sure it was hard for them, but they make it through. But when you go through those behaviors, basically what you cause is the debt of trust. You, you don't trust anymore. You create guilt and shame. You start asking yourself, it's me. And I have to examine myself and my marriage with Shirley, and I try to always show Shirley that she can trust me. I don't have a code in my cell phone. She can take my cell phone. I said, don't touch my games, but you can see, we'll check whatever you want. But, you know, my phone is, never has a lock. So she can take my cell phone and she can look through it, whatever she wants. She can go into my emails and look, whatever she wants. I always tell her in an open book, if you don't see me at the house and, and I, I don't answer the phone, track me through the church. Maybe I'm in the emergency room. For some reason, my, my cell phone lost signal in the emergency room. Maybe I'm in court and I'm not allowed to answer or they will, the judge will be upset. Very. Uh, if you need me, track me down. Call the church and find me. And if you see that it's late and I'm not home, you will see always my car parked here at the church because I like to work at night because nobody will call me. But I always try to be an open book for her. I always try to show her you can check whatever you want. You know, there's my wallet. Whatever you need to be, you know, checking because I want her to feel peaceful. I want her to, you know, to trust. And if he, you know, we were talking about the subject, you know, yesterday in, uh, in, in the house, and I told her, I mentioned to her, yeah, with helping the Guatemalans, you, you met these ladies that, that work in that business, you know, going house by house doing their business. And I, I, I said to her, I know who they are. I know like three or four. I see them around in different houses. Sometimes when I go to help the Guatemalans. And some of them came out, but I wasn't wearing my ring. And they tried to say, say, start conversation. And I said, nice to meet you. I'm Pastor Eric, First Christian Church. And you can see how they're, you know, they start looking down. But I see them with compassion. And I share the gospel with them a little bit. But when you, when you go into those behaviors, you lost trust. Sometimes God takes you to divorce. You know, what a hard thing to go through. I, I don't have it myself, but I see many of my good friends going through it. Loneliness, illness, you become really sick. You know, you, you, know, uh, you maybe could have sexual transmitted, transmitted diseases. You can have physical issues. You cannot trust anybody anymore. PTSD. You know, that's the fancy word for post-traumatic stress disorder. And you find kids, I found one kid that he has to wash his hands like a hundred times. And he was sitting right in and he started washing his hands. Now I think he went from a hundred to maybe forty. I play a lot of video games with him and I start putting his mind in something else. And he's getting a little better. But it was because his, his mom took a lot of abuse through, through something like this. So maybe you said that as I said, this is the end of the road. I thanks the Lord, and if you make it, well well done. But if you I think you're close to doing it, my advice to you from the Lord, don't do it. Don't be foolish. Don't be close to it. Why why guard your heart? Guard your eyes. Maybe people will think you're dumb. Maybe may maybe many people think that about me. And if you see me in the street Grab me, you know, say, Pastor, that, you know, cause sometimes I'm so focused to, you know, keep watching my eyes that I don't look around. And I, can I pass you right next to you and didn't say hello to you. Don't think Pastor is arrogant or mean. It's just that I'm, you know, I'm so focused in. Maybe sometimes I'm praying while I walk, so I just so focus in my things, I don't just look around. It's weird, yes, but I do it all the time. I decide to guard my heart, I decide to be different. Now that I spend some time with, with Stephen, Saretz brother, that's what I something that I tell him, Stephen, you have to be different. You have to pay a price, you have to be different. When you really want to take yourself apart for the Lord, you, you will see the Lord in a different way. And I am asking you, asking all of us to get together here to, to keep trying as, as pastor wanna pass through us to us. That if we are not involved in these behaviors, the church will prosper. Your house will prosper. Your, your family will prosper. Your community will prosper. Why? Because you are being obedient to the Lord. But if by chance you are already on it. Can you put the other picture, Brian? But if by chance you are already on it. Just yes, remember, I'm sure all of you maybe, or if you didn't see, that comes from the last, one of the last movies from Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus. When Jesus forgave, that was, you know, they were actors, of course, but that was the lady who was caught in the act of adultery in John 8, four eleven, And said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a, a, a basis to accuse him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they keep one questioning him, when they keep questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, "Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her." Again. He stopped it down and, brought on, and started writing on the ground. And this one who here began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, and only Jesus was left. With this woman still standing there, Jesus straight up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and live your life of sin. If it's too late for you, if it's already done, let me be honest with you, consequences will will not go away, but Jesus will clean you, Jesus will help you. He's the perfect GPS. If you make a brown turn, he will pick up the pieces, and he will put it back together in a wonderful way, in a miracle way. And I see it again and again and again and again. And something else that I want to leave with you is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new... The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Basically means if you come to the Lord, your new creation, whatever happened is behind you. In Jesus is hope. In Jesus is new life. Because he's the water of life. I think I went over a little bit. But I just want to keep this in your heart. As I said, maybe you said, Oh, I already made it. Good job. God bless you for it. But help to teach these things to the younger ones. Pass this on to your, to your family. To guard their hearts. To clean their hearts. Because that's the key. If your heart is very close to the Lord... It will be really hard to go away from Him. Because you need Him. That's why He called Himself the bread of life. Don't you ever think about that? Because we're hungry for Him. The water of life. Who really, really, has been really, 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 really thirsty. That is not, not thirst anymore. That is pain. You feel like pain in your mouth. And then when you drink the water, you feel every drop going down your body. That's Jesus Christ. When we are away from Him, we're so desperate to, to, to feel Him. And if you don't know if you are really a believer, it's always time. If you're going through a hard time, a difficult time, we're here to help you. Maybe you think, oh, Pastor, you're too young, you're nearly wet. Well, it's already three years, but you're nearly wet. You don't know what you're talking about. Maybe that's the case. But The Bible knows what the Bible is talking about. And Pastor Leonard can help you. Pastor Tom can help you. So you're not alone. We're here as a church to help you to be close to the Lord. That's the main mission of this church. Bring more people to Jesus Christ. See more people in heaven. So if you need to know the Lord, it's always, it's always time. Come and look for Pastor Go to the connection room. I always forget the name. But go to the connection room if you need prayer. stop Brian in the hallway. I Brian, I need your help. Stop Tom. Stop me. We're here to help you. We're here to pray for each other. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you very much because we know you're alive. Dear Lord, thank you very much because we know you're perfect we know you never leave us you never leave us behind even when we go away from you many many times you keep walking with us you never leave us alone help us lord to clean our eyes to clean our ears and to glorify you in the daily basis to glorify you in what we see, to glorify you in what we hear, to glorify you in our language, to glorify you in our actions. Not because somebody's looking at us, but because you are looking at us, Lord, because we love you. I ask you, Lord, for those people here that maybe went through all these things. Loss of trust, illness, loneliness, shame, guilt divorce, that you keep healing their hearts, that you keep touching and cleaning and, and making it better every day. Oh, Lord, you are alive. You can do it. Oh, Father, we trust you. I ask you, Lord, for my, my lovely church. I ask you, Lord, for First Christian Church, for this family of believers, that we, are, we grow closer together, oh, Father, to each other. That we can help each other, that we will take care of each other as, as, as the body of Christ. I ask you, Lord, that for, for our leadership, for Pastor Leonard, for his family, for Pastor Tom, for Brian, for myself, for the secretaries who always put the glue and fix things for us. For for, uh, for Matt, the, you know, he's always cleaning for us. For all the volunteers who always prepare the Lord's Supper, who, you know, who help us to go in and sit down, the archers, the deacons. I ask you, Lord, and I pray for all of us, Lord, that we guard our hearts, that we keep clean, cleaning ourselves, and we, we will have a good a spiritual diet. A diet that will, that it will be on you, O oh, Father, of help us to be thirsty of you and help us to be hungry of you, O oh, Father. I ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.